In the following podcast, we discuss the film Blue Ruin, which at the time of this recording was showing in select theaters and available through various video on-demand services. At the time of the release of this podcast, it is available on Netflix streaming. So if you have Netflix streaming and live in the present, then you can watch it on there. Okay, so recording, we're live. live. Do you want me to... Play the really loud opening theme song again? Yes. No, not at all. Never. It's stuck in my head. We can put it in post. Alright, so... So should we all be quiet while you, talk, while you start? Well, you should not interrupt me. That would be... <laughs> that's just the main thing. But... Alright. So hey, let's talk about this movie or whatever. This is the inaugural inaugural podcast. Ed, edit that out. No. All right, I'll, I will edit that out. So hey, let's talk. Let's about talk that. about them. He said, "Don't interrupt." So it's hey, like he has ADHD. All right, here I'll count it, and you start. Okay. All right, guys, we're going live in three, two. So hey, let's talk about that movie or whatever. God damn it, Kevin! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Hey, let's talk about that movie or whatever. The only podcast on the internet where people talk about movies. Hey, let's talk about that movie or whatever. I'm Logan, and I'm Kevin. I am Matt Bell, and I'm JL. And tonight we'll be discussing Blue Ruin, Woo! a sophomore effort by Jeremy Solnier, and what he wanted to be a vehicle for actor Macon Blair, who is the protagonist in this film, and who has a cool name. And a cool beard. It was pretty cool. His car wasn't wasn't too bad either. Yeah, his car was sad. It was also blue, and That's ruined. True. Yeah. Oh and my that... god! Now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes together now. <laughs> blue ruin is about a hobo. To summarize, it's a beach bum, a homeless man, who learns that the man who murdered his parents is being released from prison. And he wants revenge. The hobo, that is. So he goes on a quest across Virginia to murder him. And that's where this story starts. What I liked about this film is it's, it starts off very slow. It's, there's very little dialogue in the film. And like, the reason for that is he's n- not used to talking this much. Well, I think the reason is it was a lot easier to shoot scenes by himself <laughs> <laughs> on that schedule, since the, this this movie is incredibly low budget, it's an incredibly low budget film. It was funded with a, uh, I think, a lot of money from Kickstarter. Kickstarter, yeah. Yeah, Kickstarter and the and funding from the actor or from like some I think some of the actors, uh, which the director that, and his wife, I think, put some of the statements in there. That kind of um, gives me more hope, both in Kickstarter and in uh, what people can do with Kickstarter money. 
Yeah, it it really is. Like, this is like the antithesis of a Hollywood film, in my opinion. Yeah, they were not anywhere near California. All right, so the podcast is over. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It starts off very slowly. Lots, like, a lot of the emphasis is on the camera work and just setting up scenes. Like, that's one of the things I really liked about the film was the way they set up all the scenes, like, all the camera angles, like, panning over, like, panning into the, the shots of Macon. Like, there's a, I remember there's a scene where you see the front of the car and it pans over to, like, a, a un, like a shot, like, kind of near the ground, like, showing Macon in the vehicle, but... I liked all of the pots and pans that I saw in the people's houses he broke into. Yes, it, the movie starts off, like... Yeah, let's just start going to the spoiler discussion, fuck it. Yeah, let's do this. So Blue Ruin <laughs> is about a hobo who's trying to murder his parents' killer. The way the movie starts off is... You see, and just to clarify, Logan was saying uh, he's trying to murder the killer of his parents. He wasn't saying that he's trying to murder his parents, and then added "killer." Yeah, yes, that is very important. <laughs> I got that the first time around. Oh, well, okay, you sorry. You'll clear that up for you. All right, I'm going to shut off my microphone now. You shouldn't, because this needs to be a discussion now. Oh, all right, I'm I'm here. So the, movies, the way the movie starts off is you see a day in Dwight's life as a homeless person. Wait, yeah, and go ahead, Matt. I I really liked um, like the very beginning. You see um, like the first few locations you see him in. Uh, it starts off like you just see this shot of like this nice, happy family home. Yeah, and that like you... with puzzles on the shelves. And yeah, they... it, and you hear like a bump like you hear like something going in the background and Macon like Macon Blair the actor who plays Dwight kind of sits up in attention in the bathtub and you see and you quickly realize that he is broken into this house to take a bath because he is a homeless man yeah you see the family coming in through the door and then you see the camera kind of pan over a foot kick out like a screen and Macon jump out of the window at this point in the movie jail was like all right well i love this movie (laughs) fair assumption fair is Is that that right jail that is not what made me love the movie i didn't say it was but you literally said that you're like all right i already love this movie (laughs) did i yeah you did i wrote it down in my notes This is the sound of my notes. Because you're looking at this house and you're like, okay, what does it mean? Why did he start with this shot? And then next thing you know, it it turns out to be this homeless man leaping from the window. And then it goes to like the next couple of locations you see him in. uh, He's like on the outskirts of places like where happy families are (laughs) having a nice time. Like it goes to him under the boardwalk. It goes to him outside of a carnival. Then digging through the trash and eating a a trash sandwich. A sandwich from the trash. A delicious trash sandwich. I doubt that. I really doubt that. He did smell it first, though, so it must have smelled all right. It wasn't rotten. (laughs) Yeah, probably smelled like... It came from the, the carnival, so it was relatively fresh. Someone probably just threw it away. Yeah. So... 
Or possibly used it to mop up vomit. Well, and that's why you got your sandwich. The the but it kind of the movie starts off establishing that Macon is like Dwight is homeless. He, and sad. <laughs> he is a depressed, sad homeless man who breaks into houses and takes baths. Known as homeless. I yes. have there was something really, really sad at the beginning. That I did not even notice the first time I watched it. I didn't notice it until I watched it the second time. Is it the bullet holes in the car? Here's the thing. I saw the bullet holes the first time. But, you know, at that point, I didn't know anything about this guy or where he was. I thought it was just a stray car. Yeah, but the second time when I watched it and I saw that, I'm like, oh, shit. The car that he lives in is the car that his parents were murdered in. Yes. Yes, that is the case. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of the great things I like about this movie. It doesn't force-feed you anything. Yeah, that's very true. It's like, you have to infer. And that is one of the great things about this film. It doesn't tell you what's going on. It shows you. And that's yeah. one of the reasons I think this is one of the like antithesis of a Hollywood film. Yeah, for it's... sure. I love any movie that you can watch, and there's things there that you might not have gotten since most movies just like say the same thing to you over and over again. Yeah. So you go, yeah, I got I mean, it. There are a lot of bullet holes in that card. I mean, yeah, I mean, his parents they, were machine gun to it, or it probably was some kind of automatic weapon. I, I think I don't know. Yeah, you saw those dudes had a whole bunch of guns. Yeah, the they're... dudes that we haven't got to talking to yeah. about yet. That's true. Matt, do you remember the family's name? I didn't write that down. The evil family? Yes. The family of the murderer. Um, Boyd Crowder. No, wait, that's something else. I thought <laughs> it was like it was like it was like Crowder or something like that. I don't I'm not sure what like Childs or Childress or something. Uh, that's another show. Hey, let's keep naming uh psychotic murderers from TV shows. It was Childs or Childress. Because I remember thinking, I, I just think it was. Show. Man, we really should have looked this up and not uh, been talking about it on the on the thing. That's fine. It's the first podcast. This might not even make it to light. Who knows? Yeah, I hope not. It's uh, Cleland. It was the Cleland family. Yes, that sounds right. Blue Ruin does a really great job of like establishing shots, and every scene matters. And that's one thing I really like this movie. Nothing feels like filler. It feels, For like, sure. it feels like everything is building upon something, like either building a character or establishing why things are the way they are. So after Dwight eats his trash sandwich and then retires to his <laughs> parents' bullet-ridden car, he goes to sleep while reading a book and wakes up to a police car. And they take him down to the station. That is when they inform him that Wade, his parents' murderer, is going to be released. They don't really say this. They just show you a newspaper article and infer that what he did to their to his parents was terrible. Like, a lot of inferring in this film. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, uh, uh, he's being let out and what he did sort of things that... Um, 
it's actually what people would probably say rather than he's being let out after murdering your parents. Yeah, it feels a lot more natural. This uh, Cleland fellow, the murderer, is being let out of prison. I wasn't sure if you caught that before. He's, the place he's being let out of is prison. And, and you, you don't remember, but he murdered your parents. <laughs> I know you might have forgotten this. But like we said earlier, like this film feels very natural. Feels like it's treating you like a person, like an intelligent individual who can infer what's going on. <laughs> We're using the word infer a lot. <laughs> but dude, after you could you could uh, be like most people and use the word imply incorrectly. <laughs> nah. <laughs> but after he's told this, you see him selling the cans that he collects under the boardwalk for money to, to eat and live. You see him fill up his, take a gas can, put some gas in his vehicle, switch out the battery for the car. Yeah. And- I love the, uh, I love the symbolism there too, that he is picking up the refuse, like the stuff left behind in the wake of happy families and it is very literally fueling his journey. He cashes it in to buy gas to fill up his old broken car. Yeah. Man, you're killing me. <laughs> and but I, what but that, I bought that car. That car is awesome. <laughs> that is like a, a great, is it like a Pontiac? It was a Bonneville, right? Yeah, it was Bonneville. But I, mean, I kind of got. Boom. They should have put money into it because if that car can be shot up, have people murdered in it, <laughs> lived in by homeless people, and still make its way across the state, that's that's a great endorsement for Pontiac right there. Those tires were pretty sweet too because he drove on them while they were flat and then just kind of put air in them and they were yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of felt like, though, he was waiting for this moment since they had been killed. Yeah. That's why he jumped well, that to was it one so of the quickly. I have. What exactly? And I mean, maybe I didn't infer it correctly, but what exactly? Our word of the day is. <laughs> why did he? Why did he go and live out in this car? Because I, I don't because think. Sorry, Logan. Go ahead. I think he kind of fell apart after his parents were murdered. In all honesty, because I think yeah. it happened when he was a teenager, and I don't think he really. Yeah managed to ever like really take off and he just kind of fell into depression and just went yeah i don't i don't think it was like part of a plan or anything like i think he just was completely broken like at one point uh after the shit kind of starts going down and his sister has to flee so that her and her children don't get murdered she makes the comment to him uh something like you know i could if you forgive were crazy, you. I could forgive you, but you're just a coward. You're just weak, I believe, is yeah. what she said. And that's just, it's not that that made him go insane. It's just, it broke him. Like, he was just, he's still himself, but he no longer has the ability to live as part of society. Okay. Yeah, it just kind of, it ruined him. Yeah, it blue ruined him. <laughs> exactly. I'm telling you guys, before we move on, when I watched it the second time and realized that was the murder car that he lives in, I got so sad. <laughs> yeah, it's 
it's a really powerful film. Just the way it's the way it's shot is invokes a lot of emotion. I know you loved all the pans. I I love pans. I love the camera work in this. It's great. How silent the movie is, is great too because it's just it's so visual. It it like I said it just it tells the story through visual through visuals for the most part. It's not like oh no, we'll get this guy who murdered your parents. It's just literally just showing you different things, showing you how he lives, showing him driving across the country to go murder this guy. Who Yeah, it's told from the point of view of a uh... A homeless dude, so most of his life is being by himself, walking around near places where people are. And being very solitary. Yeah, and not talking a whole lot. What you're saying is all the blue in this movie is a metaphor. For being ruined. (laughs) Yes. Check. Okay, that's off my list. All right, so uh, he fuels up the car, puts air in the magic tires, and sets off. And then there, Logan, I'm sure you loved the tracking shots behind the car, right? Yes. As it's as it's driving down the highway and getting actually, foggier and foggier. Yeah, like the montage of driving. I actually did like that. I know. <laughs> I know what you're into. <laughs> On the way there, uh, he stops by a store, and you see all these guns, and he's, and you can see he's like really thinking about purchasing one, but he doesn't have the money, so it then cuts and, to him. And yeah, he looked up at that uh, video camera, the security camera. Yeah, <laughs> and then asked to buy some stamps instead of a gun, <laughs> which he then mails a postcard to someone using the stamp stamps. Yeah, think about that metaphor. But he, he didn't tell me he's using stamps to mail something. How huh? am I supposed to know that? <laughs> Where did he get a pen to write with? He was homeless. That's a good point, Jail. Pens are pretty hard to come by these days, since everyone uses uh, their uh, uh, electronic devices. I assumed he just stole it from a house. Probably those people who made to put together puzzles. They, the you know... See, this is the thing. A Hollywood movie, they would have included that scene where he broke into the house to steal a pin and got in a shootout. But this movie just <laughs> go, glosses right over it. You have to infer that that happened. <laughs> that he got a bloody shootout. <laughs> yeah, so he buys the stamps. Then it cuts to him mailing a postcard and then him looking in the cars. It's like, why is he looking in the cars for? Like, he tries to open a door, doesn't work, looks into a car. <laughs> next next thing you see cinder block he walks off the screen comes back with a cinder block through the window <laughs> grabs something out of the car takes off gun case you, yeah you find out later that it's a gun case but it has a lock on it <laughs> that was probably one of the best scenes in the entire movie yeah, yes I, where he's I love trying... him acquiring the uh, acquiring the gun and finding the lock on it and then he decides to take what was it, a crowbar. Yes, it was a crowbar. And just smash the Broke shit out crowbar. of it <laughs> until he broke the gun. Yeah, it, I. This might seem like the most unnecessary scene in the film, but it's. I think it's necessary because you don't get some people like, "Why didn't you shoot him? Why didn't he have a gun? Because he can't afford one, and people <laughs> had fucking locks on it." <laughs> 
They fucked this whole plan up. This movie could have been called Hobo Without a Shotgun. Yes, yes, it could have. <laughs> but I'm glad it wasn't. <laughs> I don't think it, it would have been. About... Go ahead, Kevin. It was also about this point in the movie where it really, where you really start to realize that they aren't talking at all. There's like <laughs> no dialogue. Yeah, there's been like two lines of dialogue. <laughs> Yeah, the, like, uh, the cop tells him that his his parents' killer is out, and which he kind he of zones out while yeah. the police officer is talking. I, to I him. really like that was really effective too, because yeah. you see, like he's just like like rage, just like he's just like stunned. He's like, "What the fuck? This guy is getting out." I'm starting to swear now. I'm sorry, but yeah, he's <laughs> like, "What is going on? Like this guy is getting out. He's murdered my parents." And uh, the camera pans, Logan. Yes, to upward. the window, like he's not even there mentally anymore. Like yeah, he's already it starts, and it starts going fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. So that that was really cool looking. Like the way they just tell the story with audio and video, and I mean that's also, what film is. But this, <laughs> that's what talkies are. <laughs> let's let's be clear. This was a talkie. I don't know if we said that at the beginning or not. Um. Yeah, the scene where he breaks the gun, uh, I really like that. But the biggest problem I have with the movie was probably in that scene, uh, which is when somebody comes up and parks to go for a jog. They parked right next to him in this big open parking lot. Knowing that that had to be like a homeless person's car. Oh, yeah. And he looks real homeless. Yeah. Again. That's real from stupid. A, <laughs> from a female perspective, though, I like to park near other cars for safety reasons in big parking lots. You like to Especially park near shot-up cars <laughs> with bearded homeless dudes in them? I do. <laughs> Smashing With crowbars. Yes, I, I feel very safe around a homeless person with a crowbar. Well, I think the fact that my biggest problem was something so stupid means this was a pretty good movie. Yeah, it, I. this is probably going to be one of my favorite films of the year, right I can tell you that right now. It was really good. <laughs> so, yeah, the, after the gun smashing scene, what happens then? Where does he go then? Oh, the I'll... prison. <laughs> he pees into a bottle and dumps his pee in the road. And then you see the opposite of <laughs> the opposite of the blue ruin car, <laughs> the limousine, oh, the white trash limousine. Black limo. It was white. It was a white limo. It wasn't black at all. White trash. <laughs> yeah, you you see him staking out the prison, waiting for Cleland for Wade Cleland to be released. Yeah. Personally, I think he went to the prison with the intention of harming Wade. I don't think he it's planned awesome. on. Uh, I don't think he went there. I don't think he was going to do it there. Yeah, I think he just no, yeah, I mean, he wanted to find Wade and harm him. Yeah, that's... Oh, did you all get that? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought he was just going to visit him because he liked him so much. I just want to tell you, I forgive you. Yeah. Oh, but... those parents I had, they were awful. Thanks. But then he saw that limo they drive around in and was like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm going to kill him. Sorry I said fuck, Logan. Oh, no. Oh no, we definitely can't hear this now. I'm gonna drop a shit bomb soon. We're gonna, we're gonna which gonna... means which means I have to go to the bathroom. 
We're just gonna use like sen- we're gonna use like I don't know sensor noises, like uh, slide whistles all of, every time we swear. All slide right, I'll. All over the place. I can just load up my sound effects machine. Fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. All right. So, Macon, uh, Dwight, sorry. <laughs> played Dwight, by Macon. Yes, played by Macon Blair. Very important. Macon Blair is the star of this film, people. B- good name to know. Yeah, remember <laughs> that name. And He's making me crazy. Oh. Ah. The Blair Witch Project. Yeah? Right? <laughs> but Dwight... Follows this limousine. This is my biggest pro- comes to my biggest problem in the movie. Okay, because he follows this limousine. Like he's clearly following them. Like how? Did, maybe I'm just a paranoid guy. But if someone's following me like that, I think I would know. Like, look, Logan. <laughs> family murdered the people that used to drive that car. That family is just not as good a criminals as we are. Oh, I mean, uh, we're not. Criminals. It was nothing to them. They they just killed them. The end. Well, like, yeah. also, they were so, probably drinking all day. <laughs> that might be it. <laughs> that might be it. Coke. It's probably true. <laughs> but, like, I would, me personally, if I see a car falling, like, because they drove from the prison to this this place, I don't think it was a, I would guess it's a significant portion of time to drive to this bar that they went to. They might live next door. <laughs> yeah, for easy access to the prison. It's like they're just, right there. they're just in and out all the time. <laughs> also, um, did they rent the place out? Do they own that bar? Like, I kind of felt like that was kind of a family bar. Yeah, it seemed like they either owned it or they rented it out for a party or something. Because they were the only people there. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, There's like five people there. Yeah, and uh, one of the dudes, uh, Wade's brother, was like loading the beer kegs himself and yeah. stuff. But he he follows them to this bar. He passes them as they pull in. But he pulls off like maybe twenty feet down the road, like if that. Like he pulls right like, right next. Yeah. Like how do you not see that? Like what the hell? Like that's my biggest problem in this film. But they probably had so many things on their mind. Like hey, our dad's back, or brother, or whatever. Brother, he is. yeah. Their dad, dad was old, died. And they're we'll probably considering later. a lot of stuff like, oh, am I drinking too much? I've had 35 beers today. Nah. But he falls on... I smoke up crack. But Sorry. He... <laughs> <laughs> Dwight follows them to this bar and see, kind of like, starts being a little sneaky. And he sees Wade loading, a, bringing a keg into the bar. I'm pretty sure it was Wade, right? No, 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 it his wasn't brother? Wade. It was his brother. I'm pretty okay. sure, yeah. I thought it was Wade. But he sees them bring the, the, the keg into the bar. So he goes into the back through where they brought the keg in, and he hides it in a stall in the bathroom until he sees Wade. He hears Wade talking, and he looks through the, the stall door, like the little slit, which is, you know, I love that shot. It was <laughs> super creepy. It was awesome. Yeah, and you love shots of little slits. Yeah, I love Edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) That's um that shot was really effective. Like he he wasn't just there and is like, now I'm gonna murder him. There was this very visceral moment of him hearing 
of him hearing like that guy's voice and it was like he was just overcome with like yeah like he it, was, like really hurt like, yeah it seemed like he was scared and like just angry and I, what are more emotions let me name more a lot of them i believe, I believe it was I believe Wade saw him, so at that point he really didn't have a choice. No, I, I don't. It looks, like, it looks like they're making eye contact in the mirror. It looked like he saw him like right before, <clears throat> and you know, up until that point, he was. To yeah. me, it seemed like that's when he lunged. He he like, like right. maybe he could have backed out until that point, but as soon as they made eye contact, that was it. He had to go. I don't know if he would have necessarily backed out, but I think that was what spurred him into. Kevin just fell into a can. Yep, apparently. So now we're I'm out. Cans. So Dwight lunges out of this stall <laughs> and managed to. Yeah, to, that's uh, that's his first slash as yes. he cuts. Um, yeah, he slashes Wade's neck with a fillet knife. We actually saw him use at the boardwalk. Where he was cooking a fish. Another scene yeah. not wasted, which, like I said, yeah. every scene in this film just builds upon something. It's relevant to something. So you knew he had a knife. You knew he had a fillet knife. Yep. He cuts Wade's necks. Wade just starts, like, choking him. Like, he's easily overpowered Dwight. Just, like, has him up on the wall. Dwight manages to then stab him in his left temple. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was, like, the... Violence in this Wait. movie. Wade's left, not Dwight's left. Just to be clear. Wade's left, yes. Dwight used his right hand to stab Wade's left temple. And then that guy proceeded to die. <laughs> yes. The violence, As he <laughs> the violence in this film is really visceral. Like it's very realistic and it's disturbing. And I that's another thing I really liked about this film. You're because... you're you're making me want to jump ahead to parts that I love. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's yeah. There's, Let's like... speed this thing along. <laughs> but the violence in this like is something really worth saying. Like the violence is very it feels very realistic. It feels very visceral and it feels disturbing, which I I like that. I like the fact that violence isn't glorified. But during a one of the questions, like an interview, people were like, "Why is this movie so violent?" And he says, "My movie has." a lower body count than like a lot of action films. So he was saying like, I watched uh, white house down and the span of 15 seconds, more people were killed during that time than in my entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, some, some of it uh, is kind of gruesome, but none of it is cool. Yeah. And <laughs> like... It's, it's not glorifying violence at all. It's making violence seem like, really unpleasant, really dirty, really like how it is in real life yes. when non-action stars kill each other. Yeah. It's it's not glorifying violence and I love that. I love films that like make I'm a big horror guy. Well, I Yeah, I like you said violence. it. <laughs> but it's not glorifying violence and I I love the fact that the violence is disturbing, very realistic and makes you feel uncomfortable. And just like fills you with emotion, which I think good art should do. <laughs> Make you which, feel Which uh, this guy uh, has uh, tried his hand at horror movies. That's where he came from, right? Well, it was a horror comedy. We'll we'll talk about Murder Party later. All right, definitely, let's we can talk table about that, that discussion. 
So Wade is stabbed in the temple, bleeding out, and Dwight just gets the hell out of there. He just goes out through the back and goes to his car, which he realized he doesn't have his key. Here's more metaphors. (laughs) Oh, first of all, he, uh, he walks by the limousine, still holding the knife, and he stabs oh, yeah. the tire with his with his knife, and he cuts his hand while doing so. His hand apparently slips and cuts his hand. Another thing showing that Dwight is pretty inept. He's yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the things I loved at the movie uh, about the movie. He is terrible at all of the things that he's doing. <laughs> Even like that, when he has smart ideas, like, oh, I'll cut their tires so they can't follow me. He just slices his hand up. Yeah, he yeah, he cuts his hand, and he walks to his car, and he realized the key he put around his neck got ripped off during the struggle with Wade. And here's some more metaphors for you. The, the key to the blue ruin, to all of the badness from the past... He was the key holder, the uh, key master, if you will, Ghostbusters, uh, until he did this. And then he left the key in a pool of blood and the uh, Cleland that he murdered. Very, very apt metaphor. Yeah. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So what Dwight then proceeds to do is steal the limousine he just stabbed. That still has his knife stuck in it. Yeah. <laughs> Which, okay, I gotta say this. I've never, ever known anyone to leave keys in their car. This is something that is in every single movie ever made. That is... At least it wasn't in the, in the sun visor. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Well, yeah, he finds the keys. always a thing. Well, he finds the keys in the car... But I'll, I'll get to why I think they left. They didn't feel that really worried about leaving the keys in the car. Wait, why do you have to wait to tell us that? Are you trying to keep us in suspense? Yes. Hey, this is the editor, TJ. Uh, at this point in the conversation, the gang had to stop to let their friend Dylan join who was obviously coming to the table a little bit late and things got a little off track. So we decided to just drop in this little segment called Time to Talk to Dylan. Time to talk to Dylan. (laughs) It should be called, is Dylan dead? (laughs) Hey Dylan, are you dead? Dylan. There he is. There's that guy. Step back from the microphone. Uh, All right, better. uh, Very special guest. We have Sylvester Stallone on. Sylvester? Uh, Sylvester Stallone, did you watch Blue Ruin? Uh. <laughs> what did you think of it? Uh. End of segment. 
I don't, my phone. I lost my phone a couple days ago. Oh. It's not a joke. Okay. Yeah, I like. I went to sleep with it, and then I woke up, and it wasn't where I left it. So I have no fucking idea what to do now about that. Good to talk to you, Dylan. Now wow. back to the show. Also, Dylan, just to catch you up, you get a hundred dollars if you say the word infer. Inferno! Oh, I came so close that time. I had to make it cooler, though. All right, so uh, he's driving off in the limo with his knife still in the tire, and he's an idiot. And uh, he hears banging in the back. He stops, gets out, and somebody else is getting out of the back. His... Should I spoil it? Well, it's uh, it's just a kid. And... What he asks is, <laughs> so that's no. What he asks is, like, check this you, time code for spoilers. Go ahead. He asks if did you hurt Wade, and and Dwight's response is, Wade hurt my parents. And then the little kid says, I don't think, I don't think he did. Yeah, and then and he here, runs off. Yeah, and here I have a question about this. I don't know if anybody could tell. Um, that kid was holding something blue. What was, was a, that thing? It was a Game Boy DS. It was a Nintendo DS, whatever. All right. I saw it was blue, and I was like, oh, that's probably a metaphor. I'm going to write down metaphor. No. <laughs> blue equals metaphor. There are a lot of blue items. Uh, the uh, His kid that is just a kid and has no significance, because Logan doesn't want me to tell you who this kid is yet. I'm uh, pretty sure I know who the kid is. I think I figured it out. They don't tell you. Yeah, they do. They they, they, they go out and it. say exactly. <laughs> that's but like one of the, that's one of the things they actually like in this movie. Like, there's so many things that are inferred, but this is like they actually just they just tell you at the end. They tell yeah. you exactly yeah. who he is. They're like, all right, nobody got it. We'll just say it. So, okay, so the kid runs I off. Didn't have what, that happens? what happens well, after that? He ditches the car, goes through the woods, finds an abandoned house because that's what he does. He's a hobo, as we have established. He's a hobo and he breaks into houses. So. And uh, the way he finds the abandoned house or the house where nobody's been home for a while is he sees all of the newspapers accumulating out front, which is a metaphor for the modern day news industry. Take that big paper. We're coming for you. I'm making some of these metaphors. Some of them were really uh, implied and some of them I just chose to infer. Oh, pay up. Where's the cha-ching sound effect, Kevin? Just did it, but I did it quietly. Okay, thank you for being respectful. So he's in the house. He decides to clean up a bit, shaves his beard off, cuts his hair, and he looks like a uh, a person in society again. Yeah, he after looks he like steals an entirely clothes. different person. Yeah. He also he also checks the TV. Yeah. Yeah, for uh, news. For news on the murdering. Yeah, on for news on. The guy he just murdered. We don't know that yet. Hey, maybe sure. he, maybe he just wants to check out. I'm being serious. I know he's in my funny voice. Maybe when he watches the TV, his eyes like kind of swim over the image. Like he doesn't watch a lot of TV. I don't know. That's he's thing. homeless. I don't think he does. He's like, wow, this is crazy. Like I know he's looking to see who murdered him. I mean, who he, you know, <laughs> who murdered? You know I mean? me. Spoilers. <laughs> maybe he does. I don't know. I know who uh, murdered me. He was a ghost all along. Dylan, stop <laughs> using your funny voice. Okay, I'm sorry about that, Chief. It's funny to call what you. What was that? That's the upsetting voice. 
Oh no. You... If I'm upset, maybe people will be upset by how I talk. Just go to the soothing voice and let's go ahead. <clears throat> tell tell uh, us what happened. Too close to my Stallone, sorry. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, we see him, like we see him all cleaned up, checking the TV for, like, his news on his murdering shenanigans, and <laughs> please don't pistol at me. Uh, and then he visits his sister. He does. He shows up outside his sister's house as she's pulling out, and she recognizes him. She has two kids. Those are metaphors for children. Yes. Kids are metaphors for children. I think so, he kills some people who are someone's children as well. Uh, yeah. That's true. People. I didn't even think of that earlier. Thinking yeah. about that. The dichotomy of killing people who used to be children and then also talking to a child. <laughs> Yes. Whoa, and his parents are dead. All right, edit all of this out, Logan. I don't think we know that, though. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> he sees his sister, and they have a conversation. She's she's pretty glad to see him, it seems. Like, does, you assume they haven't spoken in years. Apparently. And, uh, yeah, I think they mentioned at one point that he saw her, like, a few years ago. Yeah, he mentioned with... that... Because she says that she has kids, and he's like, oh, I know, I saw you, like, a few years ago. At the boardwalk. Right, because she... It was a, a tradition to go to the boardwalk, right? Maybe. Was it? I, I think that's that. what they said. Oh, oh yeah. She I don't know, about because they whispered a lot of the lines here, and it was hard for me to understand. <laughs> Stop using your Batman voice. Yeah, she said something about the, keeping the tradition or something. Okay. Yeah, and uh, when she asks why he didn't speak to her, he just says, I looked a mess. Uh, he was homeless. He didn't say I looked a mess because I was homeless. No, he didn't say that, yeah. I'm just saying he looked a mess because he was homeless. But he didn't say that to her. He, he didn't say that why, but that's why he looked a mess. I think he left that part of the sentence out intentionally. So you could infer. Yeah. Wait, I think this guy might have been homeless. <laughs> Are you guys millionaires now? <laughs> yes. So at this point in time, he tells her that he killed Wade. And she is A okay with that. And she hopes he suffered. Yeah, at first she's like, what? And then she's immediately like, well, I'm fucking glad he's dead. Yeah. But he mentions that they didn't call the cops. Like, because he, he, he expected to see something about Wade being murdered. He yeah, expected he to. Just... And he knows he just, the kid saw him, too. And he just realizes that, like, halfway through eating this sandwich. Yeah, this is Blue Ruin, so the thing doesn't happen. Like, it has to happen in the middle of another kind of boring but very tense still thing. Also, that guy has to borrow ketchup. Ketchup <laughs> is red, which is the opposite of blue. Yeah. So he was borrowing he was taking away some things from their life that was the opposite of the terrible past things. And that's when he went, oh, oh, everything's turning blue. And then they ran off to save her kids from being killed. So they rushed back home from the diner. Yes, so they rushed back home from the diner because he realizes, oh, hey, they didn't report it. They might be coming for you. 
because the car is still registered at the house. They mentioned that also when they mentioned that he is about $26,000 in the estate. That so he just doesn't want. Yeah, he just doesn't take. So there's really no reason for him to be homeless. Like, he could easily fix his situation. He has the means. But. And, uh, yeah, she she makes the comment, like, if the Bonneville's still in your name, or uh, if you still have the Bonneville, you should put it in your name. Because it's registered at the house still. Yeah. Which, that's another thing. Is she living in the house where they grew up? Because I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because yeah. yeah, I think that's the family home. Yeah. Because oh, I don't. I'm sorry say. to interrupt, but would yes, the police sweetheart? actually would the police actually let him have the murder vehicle? Yeah, they don't keep it forever. Like they would impound it, but yeah, I mean, if the case is closed and it's someone's property, I don't. Yeah, like they'll they'll keep shit forever if they take it from like criminals. But you know, that was their family car. Interesting. Okay, sorry. Yeah. That's fine. How dare you talk on a podcast about talking about movies? God. Edit edit this part where Dylan's talking out. <laughs> edit all of but, Dylan's parts. But out. I still said it. Alright, so editing that out of my brain? All right, so they go back. The kids are not murdered. They're both safe. But then his sister gets fucking mad at him. Because he's an idiot that almost got her children killed. (laughs) I'd like to point out the the babysitter was outside watering the plants like she was told to do. And so the two little kids were inside alone. And the mother ran in at, like, the perfect time because her baby was screaming and freaking out. She was uh, she was bringing in the sprinklers. And I remember this because uh, I went on a tirade about how uh, stupid that babysitter was for just hanging out outside and not watching the kids. And then my wife pointed out, uh, yeah, she told her to bring in the sprinklers. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's all right. Yeah. yeah, she didn't know the mom was going to rush home in, like, a, in kind of a rage and, like, scare her children. And go, where are the kids? Exactly. I thought she would have liked to have seen the babysitter's point of view. <laughs> Just this movie recut with nothing but the babysitter. Like, oh, my God, what is she doing? She's so crazy. Yeah, just like a like a 10-minute movie. Like, drops the kids <laughs> off, next cut. What are you doing? Where are the kids? So then it goes to uh, Dwight shut out of the house, (laughs) trying to talk to his sister through the door. Yes, and trying to convince her to leave. Yeah. Because he doesn't think it's safe there. So eventually, she lets him in, right? I think. I believe so. And he convinces her that they should leave. And that's when... uh, she tells him that little bit about, uh, you know, I could, for, I could forgive you if you're crazy, but you're just weak. Yeah. So That's that, pretty much the I crux think... of the movie right there. That that line is pretty much the entire film. Um, that's it, right? I mean, he creates his own demons in his, in his own battles uh, in his head. <clears throat> and he kind of goes out, excuse me, goes, goes about everything like, really half-assedly. But really earnestly, it's a very strange combination. So he, when he fucks up, he has no one to blame. But 
Yeah, he's he's not good at anything that he's well, trying to do. Yeah, that's that's one thing I like about this movie. He's kind of a fuck up. It's like he's just a normal person. He's not some crazy action hero. So what happens next? Well, he it, sees the Bonneville. The Home Alone night game. <laughs> what was that? Yep. He's for about five minutes. It, it's like it becomes Home Alone, and Kevin's like forty in a hobo. <laughs> Well, the only person that remembers his name was Kevin is Kevin. Because <laughs> it was Dwight. Whose name was Kevin? Kevin! From Home Alone. Oh, Kevin from Home Alone, yeah. Oh, wow, we're going way back. Yeah, but... Kevin! So I love Dwight that line. actually cuts to Dwight looking through his old stuff that his sister mentioned was there. And you see him looking through his yearbook and some other assorted things. And you see him dump all his, like, a box of his stuff in the trash. I think, right? Yeah, that's what I got from that. Like, he was throwing away all his old stuff. Like, he was yeah. just kind of accepting, like, he's not a person anymore. He's not that person. I think, he planned, I think he planned on that he was going to be killed when he was yeah. trying to erase himself. Yeah, I yeah. think so, too. Yeah, he didn't, I don't, he didn't plan ahead at all. Like, he what was like, I'm going to kill well, this guy. Uh, there it is. He planned a little, though. <laughs> He planned enough to bring murder, his, yeah. his his fish gutting knife with him. He planned enough to murder the guy. After that, sure. no idea. Which, by the way, where's PETA when you need them? That fish was murdered on television. Well, you didn't see it get murdered. Yeah. You just saw it get gutted. I just saw it get gutted. Desecration. It might have been an elderly fish that died of natural causes. Oh, you. <laughs> Dead fish to man or Jail, don't judge him. He's homeless. He's eating garbage sandwiches. He's, okay, he so Dwight's going through his stuff. Dwight uh, throws away a box of his old stuff, yep. and he's sitting around in the house by himself, just kind of waiting for something to happen. With a pitchfork. Quietly, without the lights on. Which is the only weapon he has, because he asks his sister if she has a gun. She says, of course not. Um, right. Yeah, a lot of this movie... Uh, <laughs> Is Dwight sitting quietly in other people's houses? <laughs> that, that's what it should have called, been called. <laughs> Dwight in other people's houses. <laughs> that is the majority of this film. You see but Dwight then, in really tense situations in other people's houses. But then it would have it, lost over the car. They should have uh, made some Sometimes spin-off. there's a car. The interior of the limousine was blue also, by the way. Was oh, it? Until he ruined was, it. Until he oh. So uh, he looks outside, and what does he see? The, the murder car. Dun, dun, dun. And he handed the keys to over to the murder family. So what Dwight does is he go upstairs, turns on a bunch of lights, turns on a faucet, and rummages around looking for the keys for the Bonneville. Very stealthily. And he sees a guy with a crossbow at the back door. If I call correctly. And the guy with the shotgun near the front. The guy with the crossbow, like, punches out a window, knocks it out, and breaks in while he's crawling around on the floor trying to get the hell out of the place. Uh, the murder family, the Clelands, uh, descend on the house, and Dwight sort of escapes. <laughs> he gets into the Bonneville. And uh, starts to drive off. And he hits one of them with a the car. 
causing him to drop his rifle. And at that point, he tried, decides to interrogate the guy to see if he can... He's terrible at everything, by the way, if I haven't mentioned that yet. To see if he can find out if they were coming there to kill him or if they were coming after his sister, his family. Because that's really all he kind of cares about at this point. And uh, that's when he gets shot <laughs> in crossbow. the thigh with a crossbow. Yep. That is when he gets shot in the side of the crossbow. As the guy's reloading the crossbow, he, Dwight, picks up the rifle and aims at him, which probably turns, guy, causes the guy who's reloading the crossbow to get the hell out of the way. Because <laughs> he doesn't want to get shot with a rifle. <laughs> so he loads the unconscious guy that he tried to interrogate and failed to interrogate because he was unconscious <laughs> into uh, the trunk of the Bonneville and takes off. And the uh, one of the next scenes is like my favorite when he uh, when he tries to do the like badass thing. Well, first of all, we're passing over one of my favorite scenes when he takes uh, Teddy's wallet, the guy you kidnapped. Yeah, he takes his wallet, like takes all the cash out and he goes to a convenience store. To, you know, to buy supplies, like some thing buys like fishing line and some gauze and some lots of painkillers. Yeah, stuff. And uh, I think he got some yeah, super glue. Yeah, he got some super glue as well. Like stuff he's going to patch himself up with. Yeah. He's still like, got this. Like a badass he is. Big Hollywood badass. <laughs> to get this uh, bolt out of his leg. Yeah. But oh, so I... you guys saw that as a comical scene? Or Logan, you did? It, it was a comical scene. Like it was yeah, it was I, terrifying to me. It was like the it was like the I foreboding. Well, it was hilarious. Yeah, things can be terrifying my and God. pretty yeah. funny at the my, same time. My favorite scene, my like one of my favorite parts was uh, him paying for for the the stuff <laughs> okay. with the bloody the guys looking through. Yeah, he sees the bloody right. dollar bill, and his explanation is like, uh, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He starts to make an excuse, and he just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just leaves. Yeah, oh, that's that's one of my favorite quotes. Is like, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so then he is deciding to patch himself up in the back of the Bonneville. He's got all his supplies there. He yeah. uh, grabs the bolt and is just, all right, I'm going to do this and rip this thing out of my leg. He, like, puts the alcohol on it and everything. Yeah. And then he's the just killers. screaming. <laughs> and then it cuts to him. <laughs> Staggering into the hospital, yeah, immediately cut into a hospital. It's like I think I did something yeah. to my leg. Passes out. The the <laughs> line I believe was, "I had an accident on my leg," and then falls down. <laughs> That's my favorite line. In the movie. Yeah, agree. So then he wakes up in the hospital. Yeah. Who? Who knows how long this has been and when then, this guy is still in his trunk. Yeah, I thought he was dead. I thought that was going to have, like, at that point in the movie, I'm thinking, like, Teddy's dead. Like, that guy in the trunk is dead. That's how yeah. it's going to play out. But, and I think he wasn't sure about that himself. Yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> it's like, that guy's dead. Like, he's in the trunk of a car, and he's probably just got heat stroke and fucking died. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, there was more. Before he lets the guy out of his car, he goes back, he knocks on it, to, and the guy starts yelling, and he's like, okay, that's alive. 
that guy is alive. Before I open the trunk, I got to get a gun yeah. somehow. He looks at his the yearbook he looked through earlier. He took it with him. And he sees this guy in ROTC, like apparently an old friend of his, you find out later on. Who was but, in Nebraska. Yeah. He was in the. Oh, yeah. He was also he in was, Home Alone. Yeah. He was not in the, in the state Nebraska, Kevin. the character, the, uh, the guy mm-hmm. who played. Uh, who he, was he in Home Alone? Oh, my God. Kevin? Yeah, he was his brother. He was his big brother. Wait, oh. he was like the yeah. kid that uh, made him spill the milk, and everybody yes. was like, "Kevin, you piece of shit!" Yeah, <laughs> they so mean to Kevin. God, good callback, Kevin. Go home alone. Time, time, time. This whole thing together. <laughs> you worthless garbage child! You but... got shoved into milk. Yeah, but he was in uh, Home. That was the guy from Home Alone. He's the biggest name in this film. I did not get that biggest name. Huh? The only other so person I recognized was the sister, and he's... the sister is on Homeland. He's also oh, the biggest no guy idea. in the movie. He is. He's a pretty big dude. On Homeland. Was the main character not from the state? I don't know. Pretty sure. talking about the comedy troupe. I don't think he is. Yes. He looked a lot like the guy from the the state, and who was. You're not thinking uh, of Joe Latrulio, are you? I could be. I don't know his name, but he's got watery, beady eyes. <laughs> no, he's not from the state. He's only been in like a few movies, probably like ten. Okay. Joe Latrulio does have those horrible eyes, and he always plays like bit parts in uh, comedy movies. Now he's always like the the, the <clears> jerk <throat> friend or something. <laughs> Yeah, we love Joe Latrulio, though. He listens to this podcast. Yeah, number one mega fan, Joe Latrulio. But Sorry, I forgot your name. All right. So, uh, moving on in the story. Uh... You, do you not Home know? Alone. He, he goes and visits his friend from Home Alone. Yes, his friend. Or he goes to the house where his friend lived. <laughs> hey, yeah, uh... to his mom and he... Finds out where he works now. You guys, uh, I love his outfit so much. Like his his like parody of what normal people dress like. He's dressed like a like like a Mormon cartoon or something. You know, he's just got like the blue shirt and the khakis. It's, I, it's I think that great. was just the clothes he found in whatever house he ended up in. Yeah. No, I know, I know they were, but it's just like funny that he's like yeah, he looks like a yuppie, and that's it what is he pretty wears. funny. What did his What does his friend say to him? Tell him like he looks square or something. His friend had the best lines in the movie, yeah. definitely. It wasn't. I don't remember. All right, so he goes. I, th- to I think the, that's what he said. Yeah, sorry. he goes to the club where uh, his friend is working. Yeah, Ben. His friend Ben. Thank you. Uh, just sorry, just so we had a name, so we don't keep on saying his friend. Yeah, it's like Kevin and Home Alone. But, Let's start referring to him as Kevin. That'll be less confusing. Good. But his friend Ben is the DJ. So he approaches him as he's walking to his car at night, which is the best time to approach someone, apparently. Especially someone who owns guns. That's the best time to approach them. <laughs> With headphones in his ears. <laughs> yes. Also somebody who has been to war, so might yeah. have PTSD. Wait, are we sure he was a DJ and not a bouncer? No, I'm pretty sure it was a DJ. I thought he was. He was a bartender. You guys forget the scene where he creepily approaches a girl in the dark 
Yeah. First off, like having him in a club is pretty fantastic. See, I thought uh, he was just... a DJ or something, but yeah, okay. No, yeah, he's the, he's the bartender. He th- he he assumes um, the main character assumes that he's in the band, and then the girl's like, "No, he's a bartender." Right. And she explains, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. I, I don't know why he thought that. I think Logan might have just thought he was a DJ because he walked out with earbuds in his ears, which we all know DJs wear all the time. Yes, that is all, all they the do. That's part of their uniform. Yeah. Apparently, I missed that. Apparently, I fell asleep because this movie was so slow. So he talks to his buddy. I was waiting buddy. for it to get to the cool parts. There was lots of cool parts, but it was a really slow film. Also, we're shot. talking about every single thing that happened in it. Yeah, we are. Every scene. So every then scene. we're just act- we're actually reading the scripts. I don't know if that comes across. So it took you two seconds then because there's like 50 lines in this movie? <laughs> uh, screenplays are more than just dialogue, Alan. All right, here we go. <laughs> Edit point. <laughs> yes. All right, and we're back. All right, so his buddy's like, hey, are we going to get a beer or what? And, <laughs> and mentions that the first few hundred miles on his vehicle was spent hanging up missing posters for Dwight, who just left, and <clears throat> nobody knew where he went after he was broken by his parents getting murdered. Yeah. he That's a lie, though, it turns out. I don't know if I'm spoiling that. He, he, he then... There's a lot of lines in this movie that are whispery. After... Uh, after he almost, like... Uh, after the end of the scene, like, the next scene where they're in the house... Uh, the friend is like, oh, yeah, I was just I was just fucking with you about the signs and stuff. Yeah, he didn't really do that. He, he was? I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I, unless I totally misheard it, because like he, he says a lot of stuff right before he leaves. I know I'm jumping ahead. But he says a lot of things, and then one of the things is like, oh, yeah, I, was, I, was, I wasn't really doing the signs. I was kidding. So I like, don't remember that at all. Wow. I really think he said that. But, like, super matter of um, fact, but super, there, like, incidentally, though. Do you remember him saying something about calling the police? Yeah, was yeah, he said part? like he was gonna call the police. I think it was like during that same part, just where he's at the I, house. I think he was saying that he was uh, like kind of just bullshitting when he was talking like he was gonna help Dwight, okay. and then yeah. said he thought about calling the police because Dwight responds, "Please don't." Okay. Because he's not exactly sure what Dwight is doing. Yeah, but he knows Dwight is into some shit and that he's trying to get a gun. Right. And he has no idea what he's doing. Though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that. absolutely not. Figure that out. And he, like Dwight's, he's about to tell Dwight's like, the less I know, the better. <laughs> yeah, because he, he asks uh, what what he needs the gun for. And he's like, well, you probably he's like, no, no, the less I know, the better. I just mean like uh, close range, far away. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty great. That's that says a lot. This movie is full of lines like um, that are exposit, expository, but they really don't feel that way. You know, like, there's yeah. so few, there's so, uh, such few, yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt, I was just starting to, uh, say that's really the thing that bugs me probably the most in most movies is the horrible exposition. Even good movies a lot of times will have at least a few lines that I'm just like, ugh, come on. Especially the uh, the ones that are obviously thrown in afterwards, stuffed in later, like to remind you, like, oh, that's right, <laughs> to remind them what they're doing. Yeah, they, the they ADR forgot. lines of just... Always. Like, as somebody's walking out of a room, and just remember, you have to come to the thing tomorrow and get this guy. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. No, it's like, yeah, it'll just like cut it, like he's doing something intense and it'll cut away and like, he killed your father. Yeah, something, something really stupid like that. <laughs> yeah, but like, and then yep. the person doesn't respond. Right. No, yeah, just go, go on like nothing was said. Exactly. You and I were talking about this earlier. You were talking about like, a, like, I think a French television show where there's just so much like that's left up to you to determine, figure out. And oh, yeah. Blue Ruin. Oh, you felt... mean a movie, a movie that doesn't tell you, remind you constantly what the movie's about, a movie that shows you what's happening and then relies on you to infer um, the rest. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. Ching. Yep. Give me that catch. Give me that money. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. And one, one thing we uh, did not mention that I thought was really funny is he's doing all this stuff, you know, with this guy still in his trunk. At this point, he knows the guy's alive. Before he goes to meet with his friend, he gets the info from his mom. And his mom's like, I'd offer you some tea, but I know you're in a hurry. And he's like, no, I'll stay for some tea. That was great. Yeah, fuck that guy. (laughs) Like, seriously, he doesn't really care about him that much. Like, the guy tried to murder his family. Yeah. (laughs) He, like, thinks about it a second. And then he's like, you know what? Yeah, I'll stay for some tea. So then his, his buddy hooks him up with a gun. And with uh, what gun did he get? I don't know. To begin with, some kind of rifle. uh, He initially got a a Mosin (laughs) Nagant. Oh, the 18th gun, yes. Hey, we have to pay for that. (laughs) No, we don't. Yeah. I Uh, I sang it off key enough. (laughs) Happy birthday, real fast, too. Happy birthday to you guys. I think that counts. I think we skirted it. All right. Nailed it. <laughs> in the future, if anybody, if any of you ever sing happy birthday to me again, please sing it that way. <laughs> All right. Happy birthday to you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, that works a lot better than the happy birthday, dear Matt. All right. So he gets the A-team gun. Yeah. He goes back to uh goes back the guy in the trunk. Yep. Uh <laughs> pops it open does. and jumps back. And he throws him a a jug of water. Yeah, which the guy's just drinking the shit out of. Because he's been locked in a car for two days. <laughs> and there was uh what was it? He asked him. I, I just remember the guy, like, he asked him something, and the guy cuts his eyes over like he's really, this is really important. Yes, I'm registering this, but just can't stop drinking water yet. Yeah, so it's they... like when, when he asked, uh, like, what if I surrender? He's like, yeah, I accept. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah, like, good. no, to the cops. He's like, no, we're not going to let you do that. <laughs> Another thing, uh, back to dialogue that that makes this uh, sound more like a like a like a real world situation. Uh, in other movies, like typically, characters will always know what the other one's talking about, unless it's like super obvious that they have a secret. And in this movie, like people step on each other's lines, people will ask them a question, and then like they completely misunderstand yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. More than once. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, no, I think it's just a really, I mean, if you're going to make a, a movie that's like um, a revenge, a murder revenge story, but also incredibly realistic and gritty, I think that's, there's just countless little touches that they put to this story to to really make me buy it. Yeah, totally. One other thing about the dialogue that really makes it seem like the real world is that they all, like, they stop being polite. 
and they start being real. Shut the fuck up. All right, edit that out. <laughs> edit it out in a separate sound file and send it to the 90s. Okay. How will they read it? <laughs> How will they listen to it? <laughs> what will they do with this artifact from the future? With this USB model of Strap case. All right, so <laughs> now that we have changed history, <laughs> uh, let's get back to this podcast. Well, we're ready. Let's go down there, but okay. You're right. The podcast is so, so he gives the guy uh, his phone back, and uh, 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 he wants him to call, you know, uh, well, his... Sorry, go ahead. Well, first of all, he asks him if they were coming for him or his sister. They, they tell him him. It's like, right. He's like, you, man. It's like, they don't care about his sister, is what he's giving. That's what pretty much he's telling them. So, so then he wants him to uh, call his family and work out this deal. He wants him to go meet at a public place, he says, and end this. Uh, so he calls and he says, uh, you know, hey, call me back. This is important. And tells him he got no answer. It's like, can I try the house? Calls the house. <laughs> And starts talking to his sister. Like, hey, no, hold on, no. No, just listen. It's like, I'm here with him. And uh, uh, he tells Dwight that his sister wants to talk to him. Yeah. And Dwight's response is, all right, throw the phone on the ground. He's like, I'm not, he's like, I got a broken leg. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, just so, come get it. Yeah. Which... At at that point, everyone in the world except Dwight goes, "Oh, that guy is gonna just <laughs> just try some shit." Well, that's why I think too. He's like, "Turn around." He's like, "Okay, I'll turn around." He's like, "Yeah, I'll turn my head." Yeah, Dwight is not good at any of the stuff that he's doing. Which is one of the reasons I love this movie. The poor guy. I know. <laughs> Me too. Wait, wait. Is that? Do you guys hear that Deus Ex Machina in the background? No. Oh, we're not there yet. Okay, sorry. Uh, all right, we'll get into that argument later in one and a half hours. All right. All right, let's speed it up. <laughs> this has to be longer than the movie. That's the only way this works. I think it already is. Yeah, it already oh, is. Longer than the movie. Great. The movie was 90 minutes. Yeah, this is a pretty... Sh- like, the movie's not long. We're just getting off on a lot of tangents. We haven't even talked about how he looks like Joaquin Phoenix with the beard. Joaquin? I don't know how to say that actor's name. <laughs> okay. It's John. Adina Didzo. Amin's Matonsons. Akuna Matata. He's my favorite actor. But he goes to take away the gun. And he goes Teddy, to talk to Rafiki. Yeah. Teddy just, right. you know, as expected, like, punches Dwight and takes the gun. <laughs> and he <laughs> calls him an old. idiot and slaps him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Says, I ain't home. Yeah, pretty. You get the impression that like this, uh, that Teddy, this he, this happens to him all the time. Like he's always in situations where he's locked in a trunk, or you know he's somehow like held hostage somewhere because of like shit that his brother makes him do or that his family makes him do. I don't and know. Teddy, Teddy has said multiple times that his leg was broken. After he takes the gun, he limps yeah. back to the trunk and goes, "Ah, oh, my legs are asleep." <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty good. But she's doing pretty well for a guy who got hit with a car. 
<laughs> and who spent multiple days inside of yeah. the car's trunk. Yeah, he's doing all right. He's definitely like an old pro at this. Like he seems to I feel like if, if I had a, a guy pointing a gun at me, even if he was like unhinged or obviously like ne- have never held a gun before, I'd still be afraid. And Teddy seems like, all right, let's get this over with. Come on, whatever you got to do. Well, that's because you're a coward, I Dylan. I, uh, that's why I related to the protagonist so much. So. <laughs> but it's here that he he tells all the stuff about like, why they killed yes. his parents and yeah, yeah that and who um, did it and why Wade took the rap. That's right, because um Teddy says that he should have done the time. And uh he's like, You killed my parents? And Teddy tells him No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't kill your parents. Not yeah. Wade. <laughs> that um Dwight's dad was messing around with the Clelands' mom. So the Cleland patriarch, who was dying of cancer and couldn't fuck, as as Teddy tells us. Yes, uh, um uh yeah. Killed his dad. And his mom, he says, that was just that uh was just a fuck up a mistake. Yeah. It's like I'll I'll give you that. His mom was just in the wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, you should. She should not have been in a car with her husband. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's all her fault. So, and this is uh, turns out to sort of be kind of an important line when uh, before he's going to kill Dwight, he tells him like, "I just want you to know, like, I'm telling you this stuff because I just want you to know." Uh, that the guy who killed your parents died a free man. It's like they watching uh, his favorite TV shows. Yeah, you're gonna get killed like a punk, and uh, our dad died a free man. He's like drinking all the beer. <laughs> he named a couple things, and then he says, "Well, I guess he couldn't fuck because of the cancer, but he watched all his favorite TV shows." Pretty good line, yeah. Because it's expected. Like I was waiting for him to say that too. He's gonna, he's gonna say something about his dad having sex. Like, oh, okay, that's good that he addressed it. But he couldn't because of the cancer. Yeah, right. But then he's a real person, and people have cancer sometimes. Does he then threaten uh, Dwight's sister? No, he doesn't. He doesn't threaten Dwight's sister. No, he doesn't. It seems like he doesn't even know he has a sister. I mean, I'm sure he does. Well, he just just asked her about it earlier, so like he obviously does. But yeah, like so. So then Teddy's like, all right, I'm going to kill you now. Raise gun. Heads explode. A Teddy shot rings no out. <laughs> A shot rings out. Teddy looks around. <laughs> then his head explodes. <laughs> and uh, Dwight's buddy Ben comes out. Like, had to wait for him to say him. Had to make it legal. Yeah. So Great ben... shot, kid. That was one in a million. So Ben followed him out. Like, <laughs> Let's go home. Oh, do you still have people to kill? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so Ben him out there, but like he also didn't want to just like just murder a guy. It's like I, he's still covering his own ass a little bit. So he gets takes the rap for like this guy getting shot in the face. He's like, hey, he was gonna murder him. Yep. Which to but more he didn't group, need to say that. Oh my god! This he, dude's face got <laughs> in like five different directions. Which incredible. brings me to another thing that the special effects in this were pretty good. 
Um, when Dwight vomited, that looked like he was really puking. Might have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It might have just induced vomiting somehow. Maybe. He probably drank a gallon of milk because yeah. it was all white. <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> Sorry, we need him to puke. All right. <laughs> Practical effects, man. Practical effects. He probably really ate the trash sandwich. <laughs> that was from like the the production footage yeah, yeah this is really just a story a, a cautionary tale about eating out of dumpsters it makes you start killing people and puking yep, yep. he was fine until he got the salmonella in his brain and he got the murder but and they go about the everything after after that point all of the movie is in his hallucinogenic trash sandwich brain <laughs> I, f- I feel like people who weren't uh, prepared for this, like, I don't know how you couldn't be because you had to find it, you had to search for it, but, like, people who, like, just run across this movie, maybe in the future Netflix, oh, this looks like a cool, violent film. Like, there's there's so many junctures where they're waiting for the movie to kick in. You know, they're just waiting, like, oh, now's the part where he kills a million people, or, like, now's the part where they say a bunch of funny stuff, and, like, it just keeps the same, just, like, very tense, very low-energy, like, ambience, ambience the whole time. Yeah, it's a, it's a really slow burn, but everything is done, like, it's wonderfully shot movie and it yeah, builds really a lot good. of tension and it does t- tells the story with mostly just visuals just yes showing you what's going on instead of just telling you and uh, there are two shots in blue room there's the super close-up shot anytime um anyone is like looking at something like super close-up <clears> shot of things or there's the super far away shot that is supposed to make you like it's supposed to mirror the isolation of the main character like definitely like they've got two things that they do and they do it so well like it, it, it helps me the whole time but did I like the movie? I don't know. I'll have to wait. Sounds like you did not like it. I'm going to put $100 on that. And if I'm yeah, wrong, it's... I'll just say infer one more time. Okay. So you'll even out. Perfect. So what happens after that? I don't remember. <laughs> well, they dispose of his body. And, well, yeah, they put his body in the trunk of the Bonneville. And... The murder car. Yep, the murder car. Now it's got a murdered body in it. But they put the, him in the trunk of the Bonneville. Did the car drive him crazy? Sorry. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. Well, oh, actually, bit. literally, I think yes. Yeah. yeah I guess you're right. <laughs> probably a little bit. It definitely reminds me of like... Oh, I'm sorry, Logan. I, I said probably a little bit at least for the craziness. Yeah, it definitely reminds me of like... Uh, like I've had finals for the last week or so. And like, oh, watch this movie boy. or... I know. Always comes back to Dylan's finals. It, well, this is about me, guys. Uh, no, like the feeling that the main character feels the entire movie is kind of how I feel right now. Like having, like I had to go to a public place today after just like doing nothing, after you know, like studying in my room forever, and like I forgot how to talk to people. I didn't like any like regular noises were like invasive, you know, like just background noises were were you know like like a threat to me. I don't know. I think I think this movie. Mirrored isolation. It really captured that very well. Like I felt it mirrored the um, the crazy feelings I have. You should talk to someone. If anyone is on the fence about going to college, just know that it's like having your parents killed and spending years alone. Yeah, I can really relate to the main character <laughs> in that way. Living as a as a homeless man with uh, who was orphaned as a teenager and ran away and lived in a murder car. Yeah, I mean, I avoid my parents about as much as he does, so it is very related. <laughs> so they dispose of the body, they put the body in the... Well, they put the body in the trunk, and Dwight goes to dispose of the body, 
and his buddy Ben finds out that he stole his battery for his truck. Yep. Yeah. Which, uh, did he just do that to keep Ben from uh, following him? I don't know. I think it might just be because the car is really fucking old. And the ba- Even though he got a new battery, I don't know if it was, uh, the alternator might be dead or something. So he might just need... That has nothing to do with batteries, Logan. I have no idea about cars. I know nothing about cars. <laughs> if your alternator is fucked up, you don't just get a new battery and then it's okay. Wasn't I thought the alternator had something to do with like charging the battery? Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, uh, <laughs> okay, so I do know car something talk. about cars. So I hear this really yeah, weird noise. You got in my a good car. point there. Can you can you car talk brothers tell me how to fix the noise in my car? I don't know. It's like a tick tick tick. Should hit with a hammer. All right, I'll do that. Car talk brother. Wait, uh, let me say it like like so the car talk guys. Thank you gotta you. hit it with a hammer. <laughs> Thank you for doing that for me. I know we're kind of You guys listen to NPR on Sundays, too? Well, not anymore, because that shit's been canceled. Oh, good. Has it? I listen every week. I didn't know that. Yeah, they retired, like, a year ago? No. They They were on, like, a few months ago. I heard them. I mean, they could still be on NPR, but I think it's old shows. Oh, okay. (laughs) They're just gone rogue. I'm going to check. They're just taking over NPR's airwaves without their consent. (laughs) Pirating. On NPR, yeah, but, piracy hurts um, not just cor- corporations, but also people listening. But they dis- he disposes of uh, Teddy's body, and you see him, Siege White, go to the Cleveland house, and, he, and apparently the father is buried there. Yep. So Dwight kind of like looks around the house, sees a ton of guns, lots and lots of guns. Yeah, enough for a uh, a skilled gunfighter to kill all of the Clelands out by himself when they get back. Yes. And naturally, he throws them in their lake. Because he does not ha- want them to have guns. Oh, oh yeah, we got guns. We didn't mention uh, when his friend Ben shows up, he says, I am not impressed. <laughs> because oh, yeah. He shot at Teddy from really close range and missed. Yeah. Ben promptly takes the gun from him. <laughs> and so then when they get back to his place, he gives him a different gun. Hey, give him a gun. Yeah, he switched him to buckshot. Yeah. So you shoot slugs too, but you wouldn't hit but anything. You wouldn't hit anything. <laughs> Do you get a feeling that uh, the the friend, uh, like, this is obviously appealing to him in some way. Like, I know he doesn't want to be associated with it because it's so illegal. But, like, if he lives in a lawless world, he would probably do the same thing, right? Well, I mean, he, would just... he said to, to Dwight, he's like, I don't know if it was my parents if I would have done the same thing. But d- realize I'm not yeah. helping you because it's right. Right, no, I, I didn't mean because it's right. I just meant that, like, I feel like he, he likes this, right? I mean, he, he was in the military. He said he's killed two people. On purpose. Yeah. I On don't, purpose. I don't get that impression at all. Like, he thinks it's, like, it's like dirty stuff. Like, this is Then why does he stuff. feel like he owes so much to him? Because he's his friend. Yeah, it's his friend, okay. Dylan. You yeah. want to do that for me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, what about me? Dylan's I don't even show up on time to podcast for <laughs> Help you my wife kill people, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, you wouldn't help Depends us murder people? Per- Depends on the person, I guess. 
it's like that scene in Gross Point Blank where like the, Gross is disposing of that body. His friend's just like, I guess I'm, I'll help you get rid of this body. Jeremy Piven. Yeah. Uh, like, I haven't seen that 25 year old movie. I'd appreciate the no spoilers. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I'm from Entourage. Oh, it's a body. That's my Jeremy Piven impression. But yeah, Forget about it. He's helping, like he's helping Dwight because Dwight's his friend. Like that's pretty much it. Like okay. they go back, so he's helping him. It's a lot of help. It is, but he's cool, Dylan. Jesus, right. yeah, he's. I guess everyone in, in movies needs like a well-equipped friend to help them get out of situations. So back to Dwight. <laughs> back to Dwight disposing of all the guns in the house, all the guns. He's throwing sees. them all in the lake. Yeah, he throws them all in the lake. And then he pisses on their father's grave. Yeah, there's a shot of him drinking a full glass of water and then getting another one. Yeah. yeah, that was great. <laughs> and then goes to him pissing on the grave. Yep. He buried Teddy uh, near his father and made a little <laughs> wooden headstone that says Teddy on it. That was really nice of him. I would not have given him yeah. such a nice burial. So then okay. he... Uh, he like sets up a barricade inside out of furniture and then just proceeds to wait around in somebody else's house for a long time. Yep, that's as, a lot. as yeah, as per usual in this film. Yes. Twice. He spends like maybe two days there. Yeah. Yeah. Like the lights are on automatic, I guess, to keep burglars out. They have like that those one of those systems where the lights are timed. And so, they're obviously away from home a lot. Yeah. So it like Lights turn on while he's there, and he freaks the fuck out. <laughs> he's like, anyone oh. would. Yeah, because he's thought he's falling asleep, and they're gonna like see the barricade and probably, you know, kill him. Who knows? And then he walks around and checks all over, That's and then finds the timer. <laughs> yeah. But the important. And while thing... he's there, uh, he looks through the blue photo album. Oh. Yep. The Cleland family photo album. Metaphor. And, and, yes, and he he gets a. Am I off base? But he kind of he softens a little bit, right? Just just from having to wait and seeing like pictures well, of the family. Well, well, I don't think he's a killer. Like he was maybe, already pretty soft. Dylan. Yeah, he was. He's not. No, like, but I'm, he's not an okay, but he, killer. Like right, right, definitely, definitely. And the movie does a good job of showing that. But after being in the house for a while, he goes from like setting up a barricade and having a gun pointed at a door for hours, I guess, to just like. He goes from that to like burying their son and giving him a grave marker and then calling them and saying like, hey, it's we're even. Why don't we stop doing this? Well, I think he buried the, their son before he built the barricade. I think so, too. Yeah, OK. That, that was before right. that. I'm misremembering that. All right. Yeah. But okay. he says later, he says later, I'm looking for reasons not to destroy this family. Yeah. Like, yeah, he does on the message. Like, yeah, they're they. He hears them call, like, and try to check the messages. Like, he deleted the message that Teddy left. Yeah, and then earlier. he realizes at some point that they call in and do the, and you they know, check the beep, messages. Boop, boop, yeah. checking their messages. So and then he, he realizes. Well, yeah, so he calls and leaves a message. Which, again, terrible at everything. Even this good idea that he has, he first tries to leave the message right next to the machine. <laughs> cut to him outside leaving the message 
That's right. I just love. I love that it doesn't linger on that. Like it could have lingered on him, and then he and he could make it like an oh boy face, like from it being too loud. <laughs> it doesn't. It, it's so much funnier because it doesn't linger at all. It just yeah. instantly goes to him trying it again. I love that. Yep. No, what wah, if this wah. movie had him make an wah, oh boy wah. face? Or just just look at the camera and go. Wah. I know uh, people can't see that. I think I actually would have liked this movie more if they just had a weird comic moment in the middle that made me go, what the fuck? Why did they ruin their movie? I love this <laughs> yeah, movie now. The plugs. <laughs> yeah, this movie wasn't enough like Hudson Hawk. It definitely needed something like that, like a little little Looney Tunes style joke them up in there. It needed a theme song is what you're saying. Yeah, he needed a theme song whenever he killed someone. He needed like a really cool theme song to make him look badass. Exactly. Hey, can we can we do a, a segment uh, called "How to Make This Movie Worse"? No, let's just do this movie first. I we... think we've already done that. No, we still uh, have the grand. No, I mean, I think we've already made it worse. Oh yeah, you definitely have. A lot. So Dwight calls the house, leaves a message. What was it? Oops. Oh, uh, he just told them that Teddy's dead. He, he didn't um, kill him, so he might as well have. Yeah. The gist of it is like leave my sister out of it now. Yeah, he has it's to like, leave his sister out of it. She has nothing to do with this, and he just wants this whole thing to end. But he conveniently leaves out the fact that he's at their house waiting for them. Yes, he does leave that out. Oh yeah, and uh, I just remembered because I'm thinking ahead to when they come home and he is waiting for them. Uh. I remembered an important line his buddy Ben told him is, uh, uh, you know, no speeches. Yeah, no speeches. That's this is personal. That's how you'll lose this. Yeah. (laughs) It's like you just point the gun and shoot. Yeah. The Cleland family comes home. What's left of them? Yeah, they're all like really just. They're fucking livid. They're all like all hyped. They're all. They play the message. Yes, they play the message, and they get to the part where, like, and you see Dwight. He's really struggling not to just go out and shoot them. He really doesn't want to do this. And they're all so distracted. He like has the gun on them while they're listening to the message. Yeah. None of them see them. They're just yelling at the uh, the answering machine, and he actually pulls pulls back until they yell at the answering machine. Yeah. Say what? He he has the gun on him, and they're listening to the message, and he kind of like pulls back. He waits yep. to see what they do. Back behind the and wall. He, until he says, he says something about, about leaving sister my sister out of this. Yes, and then there's... The like, yeah, he, he says something like, that's the first person we're going to go after or something. Cue that guy getting shot through the neck with a shotgun. <laughs> that's why we're going to Philadelphia! Or Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that guy's dead. They both re- they all realize, oh, hey, this guy's a shotgun. And he starts making a speech. And then he makes a speech. <laughs> yeah. And while he's making a speech, William, who isn't in the house, in the house, he's like right out there, grabs a that shotgun. That was the kid from the back of the limo who was yes. holding something blue that I couldn't identify. Logan says it was a DS. Yeah, it's in a DS. That's what it looked like to me. But yeah, he sneaks up on Joy with a shotgun and shoots him in the stomach. And so Dwight's hit, but 
His, well, like, you skipped over the spoiler you tried to spoil like a hundred times. <laughs> well, it turns out the kid is, I don't know. I forgot. No. Well, Logan, did you want to say it or are we no. allowed to well, say well, it? First of all, like they tell, they say it, they say it after he shoots them. They say that he was. After he shoots the guy I and I think he like wings one of the, one of the women. No, like it's I, after like William shoots him. That is he me- even mentions it? I thought he said that as part oh, of his speech. Yeah, I thought so too. Well, he gets shot, and he said like he is his father's. Yeah, it was because he says I was looking for a reason not to destroy this family, and I found one. And I found one. Oh, he's talking about his. Yeah, the half like, brother. Yeah, I but, did it. But he doesn't. That doesn't actually say that like William is his father's son until he knows he's there. Because he even knows well, he realizes who it is, though. Yeah, right. but he doesn't even know who William's there until like he gets shot by him, and then William shoots him, and they say, "Kill him, William! Get him!" And, he, <laughs> and that's and that's when uh, I think he. Alludes. Which actually, I read that that's Jan from the Brady Bunch. Really, the blonde haired lady. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah shit. Okay. This makes me think about this movie totally differently. This is the follow-up <laughs> to the Brady Bunch. <laughs> a very Brady sequel. It, this is the follow-up to that. It's all tied to Home Alone and the, Bar- and the Brady Bunch. Both set in the same universe. Kevin! <laughs> <laughs> what? Hey. What's up? Did you like this movie? I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. So William, when they say, Get him, William! You better shoot him! It's like, kill him. It's like, I don't want to. I don't want to. And that's when we realize, oh, he is related to him because he's weak and soft. Oh, wow. (laughs) He makes some mention of, like, like he's his father's son. Yeah, he does mention that. Dwight does. Yeah. And Dwight sticks to the mentions, like, I don't know how bullets, how guns work, but I'm pretty sure I have more bullets than you. Or something to the effect. Yep. So, so then William just kind of leaves. Yeah. Uh, Jan goes for her. Yeah, they have hidden gun. Yeah, they have machine yep. guns under the recliner. The best thing I have ever seen ever. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> Which that family obviously has. Yeah. Like, for sure, that family has guns under furniture. Yeah, it's, it really shouldn't have been surprising to anyone. But yeah, and then, I don't know, they, they end up Dwight all kills them, and yeah. they kill each other. And Dwight's laying there dying while William walks down the road. With the gun, and then he just, like, throws the gun away. Because it's like, it's like, fuck this. And Dwight told his new half-brother, baby half-brother William... That his car was parked down the road in the woods, and that he could uh, go go get it and leave. Yep. And as he's dying, he repeats over and over, "The keys are in the car." Yep. The yep. keys are in the car. The keys are in the car. Yeah. Those metaphorical keys. I don't think it was a metaphor. I think he was just making sure they were in the car. Those keys were straight up metaphor, though. So, also, uh, that wasn't the original set. I believe that was the 
the spare set yes. from his sister. Spare set from his sister's place. And right. no, wait, no, no, those were the original set. They were the original set, I think, because I think they left the keys in the car, right? Or did they? Uh, oh, I thought he got the spare set from the house. I, I, remember, I remember him putting keys through the little mail slot at her house. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. At the end. After he dies. Those were her house keys. <laughs> you say after he dies. <laughs> no, yeah, that was the house keys. After, because he... He, um, he went back to the house after, uh, yeah. Between and he, he patched up the window. Yeah. We didn't even talk about that. We talked about literally everything else. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that, but yeah, I don't really think we need to. He patched up the house, dropped some keys off. Yeah. Turned off the water that had been running for several days. Yes. <laughs> wow, she's going to be pissed off when she sees that water bill. <laughs> <laughs> so... we'll totally overshadow the fact that her brother is dead. <laughs> yeah, I have a question. Um, Like, why didn't William, why wouldn't he have taken the limo unless that was just the final metaphor of him, you know, going with the other family instead of the family he grew up with and their trash ruined car? I just assume he just yeah, was kind of. Probably. I just assumed he was kind of like, I, he was just fed up. Like, he didn't want to deal with any of it. Like, he was just walking off. Like he was just like, oh, free car. He said I can have it. No, we'll did, it. it never really showed him getting in the car, did it? No, it didn't. He was just walking so, I mean, away. He may not have gone to the car. but Yeah. I, he might I have think... kicked over a rock and busted his brains open, for all we know. That's what I like to think happened. I do. Yeah. I like nice. to think every time the last scene that anyone has in a movie, as soon as they walk off, they fall down and bust their head open. That's how every short story ends. The characters always die because they don't have to do anything with them because it's a short story. That's why it's short. It was yeah. going to be longer, but the character died. Exactly. All right, we're, we're, we're right here. We're right at the end. <laughs> we are at the end. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, to me, it kind of seemed like Dwight, like, wanted his little half-brother to kind of take his place. Like... Dwight as, as did not exist person? as a <laughs> no, not as a homeless person. <laughs> you kill like... <laughs> when you kill a homeless person, you must become a homeless person. <laughs> it's a homeless tradition going back centuries. Dwight was really the king of the hobos, and he's going to. Take or if you're out. bitten by a homeless person, <laughs> he just wakes up. Oh God, I'm in the car. Oh no, that's no, a better movie. But it seemed like he well, couldn't. What happened to him if he was bitten by a hobo? <laughs> That's why Dwight was just... Outside the parents being killed, just him got binking, bitten by a hobo. It was, oh, yeah, yeah, outside the courtroom during the uh, Cleveland murder trial, a hobo bit him. Yeah, I bad. It really sucks. What am I going to have for dinner? Oh, God! Stupid hobo. What's happening? <laughs> and then he was like, ooh, I got this car. I better live in it. His beard just starts growing immediately. My face feels so cold. Why do I? Why do I want a bindle so badly? I gotta find me some old fish and dirty sandwiches. No, no, no! I won't take your new burgers where your old burgers at. That garbage can smells amazing. This has been a really good um, treatise on the homeless in America, state of homeless, yeah, state of chosen homeless. It's a metaphor. This podcast is. 
Hey guys, yeah, man versus man, man versus an enemy, or man versus himself. It's about that how homeless spreads through contact. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so it's about don't touch someone if they look homeless because you might get it too. There you I'm go. Not sure that that was the point, but <laughs> all right. So the money, the money classes should stick to themselves. But uh, what I was trying to say I, though, I, it, uh, that's what it seemed like to me is that Dwight was. Like, he was gone from his family, like, as soon as his parents got killed. Like, he couldn't really function anymore because he was weak. And that he wanted, like, his half-brother kind of to take his place. Like, you you go have a good family. Like, you go be a brother to my sister, I hope. So not take his place, oh. but, like, be the brother oh, that really? she never had? Take, the, take his place, like, the, the place that he lost when his parents got killed. Okay, right, right. As in, as in, as in, don't, don't like fucking, don't repeat the, the, don't repeat the past. Be the brother I couldn't be, like that kind of thing. No, just oh. like, hey, I'm, I don't need this space in the world. You have it, please. Okay. So he no. traded his life for that. Yep. So, uh, we're right there, right at the end. Yeah, right and... there. So close. Almost taste it. <laughs> So Kevin, then, mm, ice cream. Kevin, what do you think of the movie? What did you did you like it? Do you, would you recommend it to people? Would they, should they see it? Are we not going to talk about the very ending? Kevin, that is the very ending. Like the, what about the credits? Those credits are beautiful. We should talk about them. I mean, you can. End, it appears there has been some kind of storm. There are just shots of kind of like the neighborhood. Yeah, and there's a postcard in the thing. The postcard that Dwight sent with that stamp. Before yeah, I, he left to go on the murder thing, that uh, he asked his sister if she got the postcard, and she said no. I don't yeah, which we didn't mention about. earlier. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, really fucked this podcast up. No, we focus on the important stuff. I think that's important. Yeah, I think we're talking about ketchup. <laughs> yeah, that ketchup was really poignant. Do not edit that out. I, I thought of it like... as I was saying it, but now that I've said it, it seems right. <laughs> Well, I think that scene was just a like kind of distracted, like, "Hey, they're talking about murdering someone bright in public." Yeah, that was pretty weird too. Like, for sure, everyone could hear them. Yeah. But yeah, I, I liked the movie a lot. I liked everything that was on screen. My my biggest issues were like the things that you didn't see surrounding it. The why he went and lived. You know, as a hobo, why his dad would be hooking up with this crazy ass weird family, which I mean, you don't know anything about them. You don't know uh, anything about his parents, really. Yeah, which that's the thing. I just kind of imagined like what kind of shit his parents were into. Maybe he just met up with a trashy hoe at a bar. Maybe his dad went to the Cleveland family bar. It may have existed actually is a very likely scenario apparently they had some stuff and bang the mother of the the, of the people who owned the bar and she was younger at the time she was yeah she was jan imagine jan you know like they're about the same age i mean like was not really that weird but the thing is uh apparently in the film they had shot some stuff like explaining like the event and stuff like in more detail, like they uh, they had some flashbacks, but Ooh. it kind of took you away from Macon and like Macon Blair's character Dw- Dwight. 
so it felt a lot less personal. It just felt out of place. And well, it, it kind it of lost a lot of the tension. That, yeah, That's it makes sense that because I didn't have any of these questions until after I'd watched it and I started thinking about it more. While you're watching it, the internal logic, everything feels natural. It's very, as you guys were saying earlier, it feels extremely realistic for a hobo revenge story. <laughs> Maybe you didn't put it exactly that way. But. <laughs> How many stars do you give it out of 13 stars? Out of 13, probably 10. 10 out of 13. Are, is pretty are you going from like the colonial U.S. flag rating system? Yeah, what states would you leave out of this movie if you had to, you know, drop it? Um, Georgia. All right. Uh, Arkansas. Okay, Arkansas wasn't and a state. Uh, Missouri. Well, I was about to say Alaska. So. Okay, Hawaii. Got it. Good choices. Yeah. The freak state. You can follow every one of us at Twitter at flags13stars at twitter.org.tumblr. All right. So uh, <laughs> we what? talked all about the movie. We got Kevin's opinion. Are we done with the podcast? <laughs> sure, Matt. Screw you it guys. I don't it. need anyone else's opinion. No, Wait, did you want our Kevin. opinion? I didn't know. Matt, Does no one you... else have final thoughts? Matt, what did you think of the film? Like, what did you like about it? What did you dislike? I just said I'm not prepared for this. I didn't know we got to share our opinions. Okay, well, I like Jail, the what... Jail, what did you think? Kevin, it's over. You got, you got your say. Let's oh, else speak. So the time is over. Kevin! I talk now. <laughs> Maybe ten and a half. <laughs> you cannot have incremental stars. They must be whole stars. Jail, Jail. <laughs> what did you think of the film? I thought it was pretty good. Um... It was up there with, you know, high-budget movies. Meaning it was bad? (laughs) (laughs) And right about here, we just sort of trailed off. And somebody stopped recording. So, all in all, I'd say it was possibly the most successful first episode of a podcast ever. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it. You'll enjoy the other episodes a lot more. It gets better, you guys. I promise it gets better. Uh, Check us out over on Facebook. Hey, let's talk about that movie or whatever on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter at Flutatmau. You'll figure it out. Keep listening. See ya. Oh! <laughs>